Amen. Let's prepare our hearts for the word uh, and with prayer today. Uh, we're, uh, our sermon title this morning is Blind, But Now I See. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray that you would be with us over these next few moments. We thank you, Lord, for the spirit we felt in this place of victory in Jesus. Hosanna in the highest, God, that you are victorious. And we look forward to that day when we will sing it again together in heaven for the final victory. But, God, we celebrate today that we have been lost, but now we're found. We were blind, but now we see. We have the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I pray that we would be lights in the darkness, illuminating this dark world, God, that people might still say, I was blind, but now I see. Somebody say amen. 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 Got your Bible. Turn with me to John chapter 9, verse 1. John chapter 9, verse 1. Did you know... That after the brain, the eyes are most, the most complex organ in your body. Did you know that the human eye can distinguish about 10 million different colors? And the men say, that's not possible. Uh, 10 million different colors. Each eye contains 107 million light-sensitive cells. And if the human eye, get this, if the human eye was a digital camera, it would have 576 megapixels. Now, for some of y'all, that might not mean anything. But the iPhone 6 only has 8 megapixels. But your eye would have 576 megapixels. That's pretty awesome. And while the fingerprint has 40 unique characteristics, your eye that God himself made has 256 different characteristics. Your eye is made up of more than 2 million working parts to make it functional. Somebody say, God's awesome. And... 80% of your memory is determined by what you see. You know what? There are 39 million blind people in this world. But 80%, science says, over 80% of all those things are either preventable or curable. God has a way, or there seems to be no way. And one of the greatest dangers to humanity is not our physical blindness, it's our spiritual blindness. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, that spiritual blindness is defined as a lack of insight into the revelation of God. A lack of insight into the revelation of God. John 1.17 says, Jesus, He is the revelation of God's grace and truth. He's the light that shines in the darkness, and yet the world didn't comprehend Him or understand Him. Spiritual blindness isn't recognized by those who have it. And even Christians, so-called people who say that they have everything in God, that they know God, can even suffer from it, the Bible declares. Look at the world today. Why doesn't everyone respond to God's amazing grace? Man, what a story. What a a message. Why doesn't everybody respond to it? Why doesn't every Christian walk like Christ? Why do you meet Christians sometimes that just don't have what you think they should be having? They don't look the part or they're not acting the part. Why is it? And we're looking today at have you had a true revelation, a true experience, a true eye-opening experience of who Jesus Christ is. Many people today will debate the what and the why, but we're going to talk about the who. Amen? Not about the what and the why of our lives. Anyone who confesses to believe in the who of Jesus Christ, that He is. God opens their eyes, lights up the world so bright, and they can walk through those dark places in the steadfastness of the day, just as if the sun themselves was inside. So 
Do you feel helpless in your condition today? Perhaps there's someone here that maybe you lack clarity in your life. Maybe you're stumbling in darkness, or maybe you have family or friends that are stumbling in darkness. Are we sure what, you, what we believe about God is true? Are there problems in your life because you don't have a proper revelation of Jesus Christ? Maybe you haven't had that revelation, that eye-opening light to come into you. Have you been transformed today? We're going to watch a video real quick of John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Have you had an eye-opening experience of Jesus Christ? Powerful, amen? So we see this in John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. Jesus says, It was neither this man who sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as as, as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so we find this man be obedient to, the, to what Jesus had spoken to him. And in faith, he goes and he washes. And then he encounters the power of God because he took action on his faith. Amen? And what happens next is pretty awesome. That the people who saw him couldn't believe that he was the same man. We look in John chapter 9. It's the Sabbath day. And then so the people don't quite don't know, who, is this the same man or is he not? And so they take him to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees... Uh, began to interrogate him because they could not believe that Jesus, uh, uh, who he was, they could not believe who he was, and they couldn't believe that uh, he did something on the Sabbath. They thought it was a sin to work, even to heal someone on the Sabbath. And so they began to interrogate him over and over and over again. And he even brought in his parents at one point. But he answers them, and look in John chapter 9, verse 25. He answers them, And he says, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Though I was blind, now I see. I don't know what your problem is, but all I know is that I was blind, but now I see. He knew what Jesus had done to him, whether they wanted to believe it or not whether they wanted to criticize it or not. They didn't get the revelation of who Jesus was. And the Bible says that they continued to interrogate him and re-interrogate him over again. And finally, to his frustration, the man kind of sarcastically pops back off of him and says, maybe you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ as much as you're talking to me about him. And so they excommunicate him out of the temple, out of the synagogue, and make him an outcast. He was an outcast before when he was blind, but he came to sight, and then the religious people make him an outcast again. And they cast him out of fellowship, and to be, out of, be excommunicated meant that you would be uh, uh, kicked out of social observances, you'd be kicked out of religious observances, your family would have to disown you. It would be a very big deal. But that's the story of this man. And we'll pick back up with this in a minute, but we're going to talk about spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness. You know, uh, blindness was a pretty common problem in ancient times. They didn't have antibiotics for infections. They didn't have glasses. I would definitely be blind if I didn't have glasses today. I wear contacts. Uh, But I couldn't hardly, I couldn't drive, that's for sure. I I couldn't read or write. And so they didn't have glasses or contacts, and they couldn't do eye surgeries like we can do today. They didn't have Lasix and all these things that we do. Uh, So blindness became something pretty big. Uh, blindness, blind people became the least of society. They were outcasts in their darkness. 
But yet God had a specific clause in Leviticus 19 that says that you are not to mistreat them nor mislead them, that God had a place for the outcasts. We can come to sinful conditions in our life, and all of us have been born blind. The Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And the Bible illustrates it like this. It talks about us that we don't even know where we're going. It's as if the world today was walking and stumbling in darkness, not knowing that the path that they're on, that dark path, that wide path, was leading to the pit of hell, and yet the world just keeps marching on in darkness, not knowing what lies ahead. And that's the way the Bible portrays what sin is like, what our condition is like, that we are dark and unaware and headed to hell. But anyone, and anyone who does not fully surrender to Christ, surrender his way to Christ, his path to Christ, the Bible says, is blind. Isaiah 59 says it like this, that we lie, we hate, we can be prideful, we lust, we love the things of the world, we can reject the will of God, but we naturally, our natural sinful selves have no clue what right living really is. No man can know what right living is except for with God. The world cannot define good morals. The world cannot define goodness or peace or patience or love except for with God. Amen? And so Isaiah goes on and he talks about that we are like blind following the blind. It's like we're following along this wall, trying to figure our way around life. And you can look, and maybe you have family members and friends. Maybe you've been there. What it's like that you're trying to figure life out. What's my purpose? What's my identity? Where am I going? What's life all about? Who is God? And what is He? Does He love me or not? Is He really there? And they try to get, I'm going to marry this person. I'm going to go for that job. I'm going to do this. And maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. And it's like they're just blind. Follow, and yet they do not know that hell lies ahead of them if they would keep on trying to find their way through life. And God so loves the world, He sends His light. Amen? He so loves the world that He sends His light because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that the devil has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they will not see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why do so many people keep on listening to the truth yet not understand it? Maybe you've witnessed to someone in the past, you just try to tell them the answers. I'm trying to tell you how to better your life. I'm trying to tell you Jesus is the way. But yet, it's like their ears are plugged. They, they can't see. They don't get it. They don't have that revelation. And I've dealt with many people this way, whether it be atheists or agnostics or whether it be people in my own family that I love so very much. It's like, I'm trying to tell you this is not the way. There's a way where you don't see before you and so today, are you or I, is there parts of our life that we're still holding on to our way of seeing? Are there things in our lives that cause us to stumble? Are there areas and dark spots on our journey to be more like Christ? Maybe you're with Christ or not with Christ, but are there places that we stumble? Are there areas that are darkened? And that's what we're talking today, spiritual blindness. It's not just the sinner, but it can also be a religious condition. A religious condition. I, I know that my, I started, um, I remember when I was in second grade uh, in northern Louisiana or southern Arkansas, and uh, I remembered that I, I, it was like I needed to move up a chair in the classroom a little bit more and more and more, and the teacher finally had to call my mom and said, I think he's, he, he needs some glasses. And, you know, you go, and then when you're young, you get this Coke bottle glasses, 
And you know, I'm a good kid, and then you go to gym, and I don't know if you don't, kids, you don't have to do this today because now we have context. But I had these, like, sports goggles. Man, they were so not cool. And then, like, rubber banded around, and these big plastic things I had to go to gym in. Very embarrassing. Don't ask for any of my childhood pictures of sports. But, uh, you know, whether we are living for God and a, and a good kid or, or, or whatever, spiritual blindness doesn't just affect the sinners because we like to put it just like this blind man. People just put him out. Oh, yeah, they labeled him as a sinner. You're blind. But it can be a religious thing, too. Yet it's not just worldly sinners that can be spiritually blind. The Bible talks about that Israel, God's people, who were supposed to be the lightest of the world, forgot and were blind to the role that he designed for them. And we look in this passage right here in John 9, the Pharisees are blind. They're these strict, religious, conservative, Bible-thumping believers, uh, Bible-belt, holy-roller kind of people, and yet they're blind to the revelation of who Jesus Christ really is. The Bible says it, Matthew 15, that Jesus called them and said, these Pharisees, they are the blind leading the blind. And we look today, and as we're waving our palm branches and looking in expectation to victory in Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 3 that there will be a last day's church. And one of those last day's church, the church of Laodicea, it represents a lukewarm church. It's a blind church. And it says this in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. That last day's church will say, I am rich and I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And Jesus will say to them, You do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor, blind and naked. Jesus calls a movement in this last days of a lukewarm, moderate, maybe even conservative Christian church. He says that there will be people in this last days that will call themselves Christian. They'll be lukewarm, but they really are blind. They really are blind to who I am supposed to be in their life. And they've forgotten uh, that they need to depend on me. They become debaters instead of dependers. You think about the Pharisees right here, and, and you look with me in John 9. These Pharisees, just like Christians today, can believe their ideas are right, even if it contradicts the Word. Religion can blind you to the revelation of God's Word. You can read God's Word, but if it's so read with religion and personal prejudice and tradition, if you don't speak, if you don't read that Word through the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, you can make that Bible say whatever you want it to say. It's got to be through the revelation of who Jesus is and by His Holy Spirit. And so Jesus says there'll be a lukewarm movement in this last day of spiritual blindness. People will say, "Uh, I got it all together. They're not fully submitting to Jesus' way. And so one author says it this way. I love this commentator. He says, No one is so blind as he who will not see. The one who thinks he has all the truth, and yet there is nothing more for him to learn. I got all the answers. I don't need to learn anything else. God, I think I've figured it all out. I got this church thing down. I go to church. I pay my tithes. I, I sing and worship. I, I, I serve on this committee. Whatever. The Bible says you can still do all those things and be spiritually blind. It's got to come through a revelation of Jesus Christ and who He is. Have I given my path? Have I given my way of life, my way of thinking, my journey to who Jesus is? Has He lit my future up? Do I debate him and his law and his rule? Do I debate the word of God and try to make it say what I want it to say? Or do I fully depend 
on His way and not my way. Fully depend, because the Bible says here's the result of either worldly sinful condition or this religious sinful condition. It says that we will all fall into the pit. It's the same road that leads to destruction. It's, it's spiritual blindness results in falling in the pit. And we'll find ourselves, that person, will find themselves in this God-forsaken place, desolate, in a dark pit for eternity, subject to burning. But what he says in Revelation, he says, But if they would just come to me, I would anoint their eyes, and I would heal them. If you and I, if anyone is willing to let God into their heart, he will not reject them. Isn't that awesome about God? If anybody is willing to come to him, he won't deny them. Wow, what kind of a God is that? That he would say, even though you have been blind, I'm willing to let you see. He desires to anoint and to heal our eyes. Revelation chapter 3, verse 18. Sometimes I think that we can have problems in our life, Christian or not Christian. I think we can sometimes have problems in our life that we're going through. And maybe it's a, a situation we've come to, and it's like we can't get past this wall. Or there's a temptation, uh, a habitual sin that we can't break. Or maybe there's um, uh, problems that I find myself always getting into. And, and, I, and I'm trying to, maybe it's my finances and I find myself always getting into this place. Or, I, or maybe it's my relationships, I find myself always getting to this place. I find often, I think those problems are because we don't have a true revelation of who Jesus is in that situation. Who, maybe I'm trying to do my own way and light my own path and follow my own way, but I need to say, God, I, I can't debate the way life should be led. I can't debate where I'm supposed to be going or how things are supposed to happen. I just have to surrender and say, God, I depend on you. I'm not debating you anymore. I depend on you, amen? And so, blind leading the blind. Look at this guy. Blind and begging. Blind and begging. Maybe the problems in my life are happening because I really just don't see Jesus. Are there problems in my life because I really don't see Jesus? This young man, he was well known, couldn't do anything else but beg. People passed him daily. Maybe somebody had mercy on him. But even the Pharisees passed him, the world passed him, and even the disciples, this spiritual blindness had come over them, and even the disciples come and they passed by him. And he, instead of having mercy and seeing him as a person, they saw him as what? A religious discussion. Here's this guy, he's there passing by, and it's like, oh, God, hey, hey, let's talk about his life for a moment. Who sinned, him or his parents? Why is he the way he is? And Jesus takes a whole different spin on it. And he, let's look at this for a moment. He, sometimes we, we look at someone as a theological discussion. We say, who is to blame for this condition? Whose fault was it? That's what they're asking. Everybody likes to judge. In the world today, religion today, everybody likes to judge and point some fingers but sometimes our poor condition is a result of our sin. Maybe our sin led us to this bad place in our life. But sometimes bad things just happen because we live in a sinful world. It wasn't the man's fault that he was blind, that he was begging. Sometimes there's just sin in the world, then bad things happen to good people. But what does Jesus say here? He said it's not because of their fault or his fault. It's so that God might do something awesome in his life. See, he's not debating. He's not talking about the what or the why, he's talking about the who. I don't care what he did, what he did or did not do. It's all about me, Jesus. It's, it's not about the what of your life or why things bad happened to you or what bad happened to you. All those things will be covered by the blood of Jesus. It's going to be the who. It's all about focusing on the right thing. Not because I was talking to someone the other day. 
and, and we were working through things in their life, and they wanted to rehash all the things that they were, had, had been happening to them. And I just kept trying to say, those things, you're focusing on the past and all the what, but you're not focusing on the who. Because, the, yes, the past happened to you, but if you focus on the who now, then you, you have a future. And the future is not in the what or the why, but it's in the who. Amen? He's lighting up your future. He's lighting up your path. And so Jesus is saying, I don't care what happened to him. Either way, it's an opportunity for God to get some glory. It's an opportunity for God to move in his life. And so whether you've had a good life or a bad life, we all have a condition that only Jesus can heal. Whether we have a good life or a bad life, we all have a condition. We've all been born into sin. And Jesus is saying that this man's disease is not for some speculation. It's not for religious people to come and kind of measure out his goodness or badness, but it's an opportunity for God to move. It's not about the why. It's about the who. You know, sometimes when we uh, get into church for a long time and we've all learned the motions, uh, it kind of becomes that theological discussion of sinners Look out in the world, you know, they did this, they did that, he is that, she is that, she did. You don't know about their past. You don't know about whatever, you know, well, they're in church today. Oh, my gosh. You know, come on, let's be honest. We know what we're talking about. We know what, you know, I'm, I'm anyway, I'm going to leave that one alone. Okay, but here's the cool part. When the light shines on us, and the light shines on me, and the light shines on them, God exposes all my sin, too. And I'm going to see my sin just as I, I see theirs. And so I'm going to come in a lot more humility. When Jesus comes, when we're walking by the street and I see a, a poor blind person, lost in their sinful condition, headed to hell, I don't come anymore with this spiritual theology and this spiritual discussion of, hey man, what did you do wrong to get you to where you are? I say, man, the light shined on me. Look at my sin. It's, it's exposed. God's exposed me. Let's, let, can God shine on your situation? It's an opportunity for God to do something. How can we as a church, we as Christians, allow God to shine through us onto a person without trying to be some theological solution, but it's that we've all sinned and we're all blind without Jesus and we're all blind and beggars, but when God's light shines on us, I was blind, but now I see. Amen? See, it's about, is it about your past, or is it about your purpose? He says, it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. The men of this world were concerned about his past, but Jesus was concerned about his future. See, the world may be concerned about your past, but God's concerned about your future. He's willing to look past your past and light up your future and give you spiritual sight spiritual sight will you let god shine in your darkest place today will you let god shine in your darkest most secret place today whether it be that place of pain that hurt that unforgiveness that regret that secret sin will you let god light up the dark and say god i have a better revelation of who you are now so he's not trying to con- he's he's come so that you aren't condemned. Sometimes we feel like that exposing that fear. We don't want to run to him because he's going to expose things. Yes, he is, but it's not in condemnation. It's because he wants to cover your past and light up your future. Amen. Yeah. 
spiritual sight. Spiritual sight. You know, the prophecies, let's look at this. What was going on here in the background? What was it really going on with these guys, these, these Pharisees? The prophecy had said, many prophecies in the Old Testament had said the Messiah would come, and he would bring sight to the blind, the mute would sing, the lame would leap for joy. And all these prophecies, even Isaiah 42, verse 7 says that the Messiah would come to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. Jesus comes, and he's, man, he's going from town to town. Man, demons are being cast out. People are, are singing and shouting. The blind are, are being healed. And yet, the religious people didn't get it. They couldn't recognize who he was coming. And just like if we are so stuck in religion, just like they were so stuck in religion, couldn't recognize his first coming, if we get so stuck in religion, we won't recognize his second coming. It's got to be through his light. And see, his healings of the blind, they were physical, but they were a symbolic gesture to the revelation of who he was. See, all these healings that he was doing was not really about the physical, even though that was awesome. It was about a revelation of spiritual sight. See, he's the only one who can give spiritual sight. Just like he was the only one who could heal all these people. The Bible says if the world, uh, if books and books are written, the world could not contain all the miracles that Jesus did. But it's not about the physical miracles. It's about the spiritual things that Jesus wants to do for this world because he wants to save us from sin and death and hell. And so look at this. John chapter 1, verse 4 says that in him was the life, and the life was the light of men. Everybody say the light. The light. In him was the life, and the life was the light of men. Do you have the light today? Do you have true life today? Do you see? Do you see? Who is Jesus to you? Is it just some man that did a bunch of miracles? Is it just some history book? Is it just some church service? Or is he have, has he illuminated you? Has he brought life into you and life abundantly? Is there this joy, this excitement, this awakening that my eyes are a little bit more clear now? I see life in a whole different way than I did before. And so you can see a change. You can see a spiritual transformation when someone sees Jesus. Do you know that? Amen. Think about this man. The Bible says that he had, uh, he was physically changed. And he goes down in that pool, and you can see the people in that video that they looked at him like in amazement. And the Bible says that they didn't even know was this the same man or not? I, I don't think he is. But yet the man would say, It is me. I am the one. I'm the same guy that was out there begging. But that they could not understand. Has he made your life clear today? Has he placed it on a path of right standing? Is there purpose to it? And is your path ordered in his word? Or perhaps you find yourself in a place today that's complicated. Maybe it's full of missteps. Maybe it's full of stumblings and regrets. Maybe it's painful falls. Maybe you felt like there's been trap doors that you've walked into. Is your path illuminated? Is it shining forth? And have you been spiritually transformed? And so we're going to break it down like this. Spiritual, uh, spiritual transformation is inner illumination. Let's say this together. Inner illumination. Like some big words. Ready? Outward demonstration and continued revelation. This is what it's all about this morning. We're taking this man's story and we're breaking it down for three principles in our life. And number one, inner illumination. He says, verse 9, look at verse nine, or chapter 9, verse 35. He says, one thing I do know. 
that though I was blind, now I see. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Jesus had a unique method. You know, he went through all the other towns, and uh, he did it a lot of different ways. One guy, he, he uh, uh, just simply, uh, he, he spit on one guy. He, another time, he just laid his hands on some people. And there was a unique method to this man's story, that he uh, spit some, with some dirt in the, on the ground, he put it on his eyes, and he said, go and wash. So it's a unique method. But you know what? The healing was the same. He can do it all kinds of different ways, but the healing was the same. Though the method was different, the healing wasn't, was the same. It wasn't the method that healed him, but the power of God combined with his faith. It wasn't about the method. You know, you and I all have a unique story, and thank God for that unique story. This man had a unique story. You have a unique story. You have a unique story, and you have a unique story. Every single one of us has a unique story of how Jesus opened my eyes. I have a unique story. My story is not like your story, and your story is not like my story. This man, Jesus gave him a unique story, a testimony of how he did something. But you know what? Your story versus your story versus my story, all might be different methods. It's the same healing. It's the same revelation. It's the same Jesus. And I don't care if your story is different than my story, but we all have a story, and it's about how Jesus Christ has healed my eyes. Jesus Christ has opened my eyes. And so don't feel, I don't have a story like this guy, but don't feel like your story is better or less than anybody else's story. You have a story that Jesus gave you to tell. But it's not about the method, it's about the message. It's not about the method, but it's about the message. And so what is the message in your life story? Have you been illuminated? Has Jesus opened your eyes? Is there something glowing on the inside? Is there something shining through you? Is there something inward that you have this unique testimony of how God transformed you? And how did God's power meet your faith? How did God's power meet your faith? You know, I don't understand how the Holy Spirit regenerates, makes us born. I don't know how. It's a mystery how God illuminates the soul. The Bible says it's, it's a mystery. I don't understand how one minute I'm seeing life one way, but then when God puts a revelation in my heart and His Word just jumps out on my page and I see things completely different. I can take the Word of God and I can give it to one person who's not uh, in Christ. I give it to another person and they can read the same verse. It'll come through completely different. There's something mysterious about when God is, is shining through you and has illuminated the dark places of your life, that there is a mystery. But there, that mystery comes forth in an inner transformation of how you see the world, how you see yourself. Some of you need to see yourself the way Jesus sees yourself. Some people need to see the world the way Jesus sees the world. Some of us need to see who I really am in Christ and who He is in me. And not be looking at myself through the old way, but look at yourself. You're living in too much regret and pain, and, and, and you're feeling so weak. But yet God's light has shined on you. He's healed you. He, you are His child now. But yet we now also need to see the future. What has He called us to and what, he's, uh, what has He set before us? There's a new clarity, an eternal perspective now. Who are you in Him, and who is He in you. It's not the method, but it's the message in your healing. Do you have a message? Man, when people look at you, do they see 
something shining from the inside? Did they see something shining from the inside? It's not about how it happened, but it's about who God is in you. It's not about the what and the why, but it's about the who. Number two, outward demonstration. Look at John 9, 9. John 9, 9. He says, the Bible says, others were saying, this is he. Still others were saying, no, 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 but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the one. Preach a few, few months ago, or it might be a year now. Do you look like your dad? Some of you, like, you look like your mom, you look like your dad, but do you look like your heavenly father? You see, he was transformed to look like something else. Have you been transformed to look like something else? Do people see something outwardly different in you? There should be a visible transformation in your life because you now walk clearly in the light of the Word of God. Man, you're not walking like you used to walk. You don't have to sit there on that step and be blind and beg and try to fumble your way through life and try to trip o- avoid tripping over your own feet and, and watch out for trap doors. There is a new way for you to walk and to live. And so many Christians, they, they, they get a revelation of Jesus Christ, but it's like they go back to that corner and they got that cup out there and they're just trying to beg their way through life. They're trying to, there's no overcomingness, there's no victory, there's no clarity of, of where they're going and who they are and who he is. It's like they still continue to fumble and they're still tripping over their own feet. But Jesus says, although I've done something inward, if I've done something in you, it should shine outwardly. There should be an illumination of the way you live, the way you think, of the way you talk, the way you act. And so 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 9, gives some um, examples of this. It says that, you know, if we've been illuminated and, and God has inwardly illuminated our life, there should be some outward changes, things like this. Moral excellence. You should live morally right now because you can see the difference between light and dark. Your path is lit, so I should know morally what God wants me to do. Knowledge, the knowledge of Him and the knowledge of, of, of me and the knowledge of His Word, of, of what God, uh, I want to know Him and know Him deeper, and I know His Word. Self-control, that's a good one. Patient endurance, somebody say hallelujah for that coworker. Patient endurance, godliness, brotherly affection. You should love people more if the light is shining in you. You represent Jesus Christ, you know that? And love for everyone. You know, four times in this passage, people asked him, how were you healed? Four times, they asked, that's, that's significant in the Bible. When things are repeated, it's significant. Four times they asked him, how were you healed? They notice a remarkable change. Remarkable change. And did, does the world today, when you get saved, and you begin to walk in the light, when people in the world, I'm going to be very honest with yourself today, have people noticed a remarkable change in your life? Is there something completely different about you? Does it wow people? You find someone from your past today and they say, I can't even believe you're the same person. I remember that, and Beth can attest to it. And I went off to college one way, and when I went into college, I was filled with the Holy Spirit and was discipled in the ministry, and I began to read my word every day and to re- began to pray every day, began to give my life to ministry. Uh, and I wasn't even called yet into ministry. But I go back home, and I remember my mom I, I was in the kitchen, and I'm in the recliner. And it was a Saturday, and she says, you're not, I don't, you're not even the same person. Because why? I came home, and all I could talk about was Jesus. Never done that before in my life. 
It wasn't even the same. I just, it was just, there's newness. And if you can't help but talk about Jesus, you probably got the light shining in you. But if you're too focused on talking about dark things of this world and the things that are trapping us and the things that are trapping so-and-so and all the different things, what's shining? What's shining today? And is there a continued revelation? Last one. His physical healing here was not... Look in chapter 9, verse 35. His physical healing was not the end. Skip down to verse 35. He was on a journey. He's on a journey. Let's read it together. John 9, 35. He heard, Jesus heard that he had put him, they had put him out. They had excommunicated him. And finding him, Jesus says, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said unto him, You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment judgment I came into this world, so that those who do not see may see. And those who who see may become blind. This man was not all about physical healing. Jesus saw that he stood for his faith. In that moment of trial and tribulation, this man stood up for who Jesus was and said, I was blind, but now I see. And so when Jesus saw that his faith was so much that it did not waver, he was willing to be excommunicated from the world, from culture, from tradition, from religion, and to stand for truth, Jesus came and began to minister to him. And he said, you know that I touched your life, but I'm going to give you a revelation of who I really am. I'm going to go a little bit deeper with you today. And he said, I'm going to tell you that I am the light of the world. I'm the son of the living God. And I'm here to take you on a journey of spiritual transformation. And so it's not about just the initial moment, how God saved your life, but have you gone to the deep places? Are you going deeper? Is, there just, is it just one moment in your life and you can say, oh, wow, thank you, Jesus? Or is there something from this day to that day? This man was hungry to know who it was that touched his life so. And is it something like that in your life? Is there a continued revelation? Man, I've been inwardly illuminated. There's an outward change in my life, but I'm hungry to know Jesus more. I want a deeper revelation of who Jesus is. There's things in my life, there's dark areas I want God to shine on. Man, I'm saved, yeah, I'm changed, but God, I want to keep knowing you more. I don't want to know Jesus yesterday like I, I want to to keep going. You understand what I'm saying? It's not about what he did in the past. Yes, it's his foundation, it's a starting place, but it's a journey. This man did not settle for just a healing. He stood his faith and God revealed himself more and when I believe it continued on, I believe this man did a great work for God. Are you hungry today? Worship team, would you come? Are you hungry today? Does Christ's work in you cause your faith to stand firm in the tests and trials of life? Many may have experienced Christ initially, but has it led you to a deeper revelation of who He has listened, Christian? Do you recognize what Jesus has done in your life, and does it cause you to want to pursue Him more. I'll say it again. Do you recognize how big of a deal it was that you can say, I was blind, but now I see? And does that make you want to say, I want to know him more? I want to get a deeper revelation. I want to be uh, awakened to the big, the vastness, the marvelous, the amazing grace of God. I want to see him more today than I did yesterday. I want my eyes to be continually open. Maybe it's getting in our word more. Maybe it's reading and, and, and praying and fasting and laboring in prayer. But I say, God, I am so hungry for a revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to see how big my God is. 
I want to know Him more. And because if it's not a pursuit of that revelation of Jesus Christ, I begin to question, do you really understand what it means to say, I was blind, but now I see? Is it that big of a deal that I want to pursue Him more? You guys go ahead and just play something softly. Every head bowed, every eye closed.